0: Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 11th day of August in the year of our Lord, 2023. I will be talking today about the recent coup in Niger, why that change in a West African nation matters to America, to the extent that Under Secretary of State Victoria Nuland, the mother of the 2014 coup in Ukraine, was dispatched to Niger to meet with the new rulers and to lay down the law to them. Niger is a former French colony in West Africa. With a long history of coups, revolutions, military rule, and just about every kind of government by strong men that one can imagine, the French have tried with their military to keep order in Niger, just as they did in Mali. Just to the west of Niger, when the French ceded independence to their West African colonies, They physically left, but remained close to whatever leader happened to be running things at the time. Power abhors a vacuum, they say. So when the French military was gone, al-Qaeda and ISIS moved in and threatened to completely take over the governments of both Mali and Niger. The French returned, still there to some extent. They returned and they began a war with the Islamic fighters, threatening those countries. Both are desert countries populated by poor, desperate people who live under the harshest and most close-to-the-edge existence imaginable. The forces fighting for control of Niger and Mali want what they want, but the people, the African people, just want to continue their lives in peace, which is a very old, seemingly never-ending story. What France got from its many years in Niger was uranium, which it desperately needed and still needs to fuel its nuclear industry. France gets most electricity, from nuclear, more than any other country in Europe, and it has become a world leader in nuclear power, its development. Countries around the world who have some small amount of nuclear power often get their reactors from France and its nuclear engineers. That industry requires a great deal of uranium. And France has no deposits of uranium, to my knowledge, but guess who does? That's right, Niger. Mali, the next-door neighbor of Niger, has a great deal of gold under its desert. France happens to be one of the world's leaders in gold deposits. The battles between French Premier Charles de Gaulle and U.S. President Nixon over the value of gold and the exchange of U.S. gold for French-held debt are legendary, and they led to some extent to the removal of the dollars linked to gold in 1971. Natural resources are what Africa has to offer the West, and so there is desperation to keep those resources from falling into Russian or Chinese hands or, God forbid, remaining in African hands. The other thing, perhaps the most important thing, is Africa's vital role in the drive for world hegemony. China is very active in Africa, and Washington is very interested in countering that activity. China comes with money and an offer to Africa on infrastructure and sustainable development in return for the right to trade favorably and for the option of Chinese influence over that of the West. It all seems like a poker game, where the winner ultimately collects the biggest pile of chips. The Chinese initiatives are all part of the Belt and Road project, which I've talked about in previous reports, when... Or if the multi-trillion dollar Belt and Road is ultimately completed, all roads, as they used to say about ancient Rome, all roads will lead to China. In China's eyes, the whole world will trade with China and will ship China resources so that the Chinese goods can be manufactured and sold all over the world. China's offer is quite simple. Sell me your oil, your gold, your uranium, your diamonds, your rare earth metals, The other things you may have under your soil, we will build roads and other infrastructure so that those things can be transported to market. Your African laborers can have work digging the stuff out of the ground under Chinese expert management, of course. In response, the U.S. offers loans from the World Bank, which are underwritten by Western banks who expect payment at some point. And if payment is not forthcoming, then certain parts of the country's resources and infrastructure must be ceded to the banks or the controlling nations along with the Western offer, comes demands of political nature such as the recent controversy whereby the West demanded that Africa follow and obey the sanctions placed on Russia or lose all its Western funding. The Chinese make no such political demands, which can be refreshing to people in need. The Russian sanctions involve the loss of Russian fertilizer, about 30 million tons to be exact, which is desperately needed in Africa to grow food, to feed the continent's people. The only thing that seems to matter to the West right now is to counter the strategy of Russia and China. Washington demands that the African nations, rich in oil, nations like Uganda Nigeria, stop shipping it and stop building the planned 1,445-kilometer-long pipeline to ship their oil to the coast. A pipeline would allow Uganda and other adjoining nations to enjoy unemployment and economic boom from the 6 billion barrels passing through their countries. Washington's efforts at helping Africa, or should I say its demands on Africa include climate change, of course, Climate change propaganda, which usually involves restrictions on the use of fossil fuels and the like, along with climate change, comes submitting to digital technology, especially involving health. In other words, you must be vaccinated to get the money. And, of course, you must fully embrace LGBTQ and all that entails. All these things and many other things have sparked an interest in Russia and in Vladimir Putin, as the coup in Niger indicates In Niger's long history, it has only passed power from one duly elected government to another once, and that was to the leader who was just deposed in a military coup on July 26th of this year. The president's own military guard detained him. A general spoke on television and announced that he was taking control of the government, that he hoped to avoid violence. President Bazoum, a West-supporting leader, was out. And a very large man in military fatigues and sunglasses was in. Most surrounding countries announced support for the leader of the coup, with the notable exception of Nigeria. The regional bloc known as the Economic Community of West African States said that it was considering intervention with 25,000 troops. Nigeria said it would contribute more than half of all that force needed to return the duly elected leader to power they gave the coup a 7-day deadline to release mr bazoum and return him to power but the deadline has passed and nothing happened <clears throat> this coup was rightfully seen as anti-west especially anti-france pro-russian protest against french troops and their policies of interference in the affairs of host nations as part of forced France to withdraw its military. This is now a dangerous, simmering conflict which threatens to explode into a continent-wide war. The U.S. State Department has evacuated the American embassy in anticipation of anti-American riots or worse. The U.S. sent Victoria Newland to Niger to lay down the law to the uppity coup leaders of Niger. Ms. Newland is Undersecretary of State and a very important member of Secretary Blinken's State Department. She is the person who is widely credited with the 2014 Maidan protests in Ukraine, which resulted in changing the government from pro-Russian to pro-American. The long-term effects of the Ukrainian, quote, coup has been the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people and the expenditure of more than 100 billion US dollars. Miss Newland went to Kiev during the protest and brought cookies for the protesters. After it was over, her man was in power. She bragged that, quote, we accomplished all this for less than five billion dollars, end quote. She apparently State Department's expert on coups, so she was quickly dispatched to Niger last Monday. The leaders of the coup refused to allow her to meet with the deposed leader, but she spent about two hours with the coup leaders who would meet with her. She described the military officers as unreceptive to U.S. pressure to return the country to civilian rule. Quote, they were quite firm about how they want to proceed, and it is not in support of the Constitution of Niger. In quote, she told the reporters that her conversations were extremely frank and at times quite difficult. She described Niger pre-takeover as a vital counterterrorism partner of the United States. She said she made absolutely clear the kinds of support that we will legally have to cut off if democracy is not restored. U.S. law requires that if a democratically elected government has been toppled by unconstitutional means, federal law requires a cutoff of most American assistance, particularly military aid, so no more guns, bullets, bombs, so on and so forth, no more piles of borrowed cash for your leaders to stick in their Dubai banks. While your people starve, her meeting was with General Barmu, a U.S. retrained officer, Three of his colonels, the coup's top leader, refused to meet with the Americans. The reason he refused to meet was apparently because he was meeting with the head of the Wagner Group. You remember the Russian mercenary army that was Putin's primary striking force in Ukraine. The coup leaders want to hire Wagner to fight off any invasion or intervention by neighboring countries or by Western nations. Wagner meeting was in Mali, it was confirmed by French journalists. The AP reporter was quoted as saying, quote, they need Wagner because Wagner will become their guarantee to hold on to power, end quote. Wagner head, Yevgeny Frigoshin, called the coup, quote, a justified rebellion of the people against Western exploitation. Frigoshin also, jokingly thanked Victoria Nuland for sending him another good paying customer. Speaking of payment, how will Niger pay for Wagner mercenaries without borrowed money? That's a really good question to which there are only a few answers. They could use money the U.S. has already given them or money they borrowed from the World Bank, or either Russia or China could cover the cost for them. The other most traditional way would be to cede part of Niger's resources and infrastructure. Wagner is, however, becoming a fixture in Africa, operating currently in Mali, Burkina Faso, Sudan, Mozambique, and the Central African Republic. Should ECOWAS attack Niger, as it has said it would, then that would be a declaration of war against all Niger's allies, according to the new Niger leadership. What about the African people, the ones who are living in Niger right now? That's a good question, because Niger is a very poor desert country whose people don't have much, only want to live peaceful lives, or so it appears. Traditionally, African people live in the most brutal poverty, while the political class enjoys the largesse provided by colonial powers. Like France, Great Britain, and Germany, I started reading bloggers from Niger and Mali, as well as watching some of their videos. One man in particular caught my attention. He has a YouTube video in which he appears... In a military uniform, he says, We want to work with Russia because Russia gives us weapons and other benefits for free. Vladimir Putin is a great man of dignity and respect. He treats the African people as equals. There is a $23 billion U.S. debt which burdens them, and Russia has agreed to cover it for them. Who does that kind of thing for someone except Vladimir Putin? Right now, the African people do not even have their own banks And their leaders must store their money in Western banks, but Putin will help them set up African banks. Putin will let the African people be themselves, will not insist that they adopt LGBTQ, which they don't want. The West brought Niger, HIV, and AIDS and its rubbish lifestyle, but Putin will let them be themselves. Well, that's the end of his his video, very interesting. Finally, folks, the African people have nothing to say about which colonial power exploits them at one time or another. Russia brings military assistance. China brings money, trade, infrastructure, development. The West brings military protection and money, but at a price. To all the nations which exploit the African people have their price. There's virtually nothing for the Africans. The resources of Africa should belong to the people, should be used for their benefit, and not for the benefit of cartoon characters in fatigues and sunglasses, and certainly not for the benefit of nations competing for world hegemony. At least that's the way I see it. Until next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.